0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to season two of the Road End Podcast. Each episode we will speak to a new guest, get to know them, and hear their stories about Liverpool Football Club.
0: Hello everyone, and welcome to season two of the Road End Podcast. Today I'm joined by former Red Bolo Zenden. Bolo was part of the brilliant Rafael Benitez era at Liverpool. First of all, thanks for joining. How are you today?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Nice for having me.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Let's start with how you became a footballer, Bolo. At what point would you say that you knew you could make a career out of this? uh,
1: I guess it was rather late, to be honest. Uh, I always wanted to be... uh, Let's say, first of all, I just love the game. I love football. Uh, Ever since I was a kid, I was always kicking kicking a ball. Um, Then gradually... You grow into it, where you start playing for your locals. Uh, then you get invited for the, um, let's say, the district teams, and then all of a sudden you're also selected for the national teams. And then you, by the time, then you're already picked up by the professional clubs, and you start playing for them. And uh, when I was 13, I started at PSV Eindhoven officially. I already did a few. Uh, Friendlies with them, but then I I joined them, so the academy, and then I was 17, uh, still playing in the under 18s, and I was also asked to to play a friendly with the first team. So that was for me really something special. But still, then uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to make it because there's examples enough. Even up to then, you can't really tell who's going to make it or not. Yeah, Uh, I was still doing my uh, my school, and then. In in one trip, uh, we went to Alicante in Spain. Uh, we played two games against uh, Spanish sides, and I was still doing my exams. Uh, so I took my 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 books with me on that little trip. And then on the way back, the the, the manager sat down next to me in the plane and said, "Do um, you be fancy uh, becoming a professional and, and and start playing for us?" And i was thinking, "Yeah, of course." And then he said, uh, "Well, you're starting then next week with us." And I'm thinking. But I'm still doing exams. Yeah. So uh, obviously, when I told my mom and dad, they said, uh, "No way! Uh, you first have to do your school." Um, so that was a deal that uh, I was going to do my uh, my 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 last uh, year of uh, of exams, and um, if I would uh, graduate, if you want to call it, then um, I would start after the summer as a as a professional. So that's how it went. I uh, I signed my first professional uh, deal at the age of 17 and then joined the first team for preseason. So for me, it was basically then when I thought, okay, who knows, uh, this might be it. But then still, uh, because to give you an idea, at PSV, there was a culture where they always signed the bigger players. Uh, So so back then it wasn't obvious that the youth players got a chance. Uh, Mostly they were out on loan and then sold. Ix um, was very much more of integrating the youth, get them a place in the first team, and then sell them on. So, so still, I thought, okay, my mom and dad said, you know, let's let's have a go for the next two years, and if it doesn't work out, you can still pick up your uh, studies. But in the end, it did work out.
0: So it seems in Holland they have a um, a nature of bringing through youth. The youth that comes through the Dutch international system tend to go for millions and millions of pounds. Now, what do you think the difference is with? the chances that you get in Holland compared to the chances you get in England as a youth player?
1: Oh, it's been the money. Uh, what, I, what I mean with it is, in Holland, we don't have the money to spend and buy all these players. So we're, we have to develop the youngsters with that because uh, you don't buy them. Uh, we are, as I said, basically same as me, 17, 18-year-old. You get your chance in first-team football. So very young, you're actually in the first team. You're mm-hmm. training with them. You can develop yourself. Uh, you're playing in a proper league, and of course, you cannot uh, uh, um, compare the Premier League with the uh, Eredivisie. So uh, it's 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 a perfect way to gradually grow yourself into uh, senior football, and also because the the Dutch they also play. Many times in European competitions, at a young age, you already get this experience playing European football. Now, for example, if you look at Premier League, I mean, the clubs have so much money, they can always buy the bigger players. Sure. And of course, if you can buy an end product, uh, that's always easier than 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 develop. Uh, if, if if you bring on a youngster, of course, he will not play week in, week out at a top level, where if you buy someone who's, whatever, 25, 26, who's already shown himself in a different league or even in the same league, then it's more easy to, uh, to integrate into the team. So it's, it's a matter of patience, I think. Uh, I think in Holland, we have more patience with the youngsters and give them the time to, to grow. Uh, I guess it's, um, it's like a flower, right? It needs a bit of water, but if you give it too much, it'll drown. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, so, so I don't think it's the pressure itself. It's more the, the whole uh, complexity of, of the whole structure of how the teams are run and how uh, the money has been spent. And obviously, we always want to develop young players and give them a chance and then sell them on because that's the the whole market, how it's working for the Dutch.
0: So right now, obviously, we Liverpool have just signed um, Cody Gakpo. And I know if, if I'm right in saying, did you coach him or was you part of the coaching whilst he was at PSV?
1: Yes, uh, I, I, I was at PSV for the last nine years and the last seven at the first team. Um, so I've seen Cody come from the youth ranks, uh, come to the first team. Uh, and also, most of the time, I was a individual coach, like for the forwards, mm-hmm. uh, because I speak some languages. I also did the same for uh, the, uh, some of the foreigners, like the French or the Spanish, the Latinos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really worked closely with him. So I saw him come. And, and how another example of how he goes with the, with the Dutch. Um, um, so Cody comes from the youth, the under-17s, 18s goes to the to the uh to the reserves uh the reserves in holland they actually play in the uh well you would call it the first division so that they, they, they would literally play one league below uh the premier league so they already get senior football there now uh so they don't need to be on loan to 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 another team who's playing in the uh in the second division of course you don't call it you call it different championship but championship football <laughs> yeah. So they they already get this uh, this 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 uh, senior football under the belts, and then uh, when you join the first team, obviously you uh, you try to get your chances. You come on, uh, you can be important as a sub. Uh, then you do it so well that you get a, a chance to be a, a starter. Then it goes uh, not the way you like it. Uh, maybe you can play well for an hour, and then you're being pulled off, and then. Um, you grow on to be a, a starter for 90 minutes, like in the case of Cody. He uh, he did all of that, uh, uh, played well as a as a as a as a starter. Uh, got called up for the national team uh, this year. Was captain for PSV. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great uh, season where in the beginning he had a lot of a lot of assists. You know, a lot of crosses in. Um, then uh, he wanted to score more goals, so he started to score more goals, and then he had less assists. And in the last part of his game, he combined both. So he scored a lot of goals, had a lot of assists, was the captain, was a a crowd favorite, had the uh, interest of different clubs, uh, went to the World Cup, uh, scored on the first three games of the group stage, left footer, right footer and header. uh, And that put himself on uh, very well in the market. And uh, he got his transfer. And it's it's a perfect example of how uh, youth can or should be developed and then um, of course, PSV don't want to let him go, but that's the way the market works. And in the end, uh, I think it's uh, good for both parties.
0: Obviously, we don't know how things are going to work out for Cody. Hopefully a massive massive success, given the plays he has around him and the coaching staff. How do you feel he will transition into the English game?
1: Um, as I said, he already did a lot. So it's not that he's uh, 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 new to the scene. It's not that he's a player that is... Uh, of course, he's still young, but at 23 is different than, let's say, 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, as I said, he's uh, he was captain, so he's been a senior, uh, uh, in, uh, matured in his game. Uh, and I think that will help him at uh, at Liverpool. Uh, there's two things, actually. Um, as we know, Liverpool have a lot of injuries. That was maybe also one of the reasons why they wanted to get him now in the wintertime instead of in the summer. So they really need him up front. So he will get minutes, I think, really quickly. That is an advantage where he can actually be be, be, be brought in. Uh, we all know that the results haven't been the way we, we would have liked. The, the form has not been uh, best. Uh, they're, um, they're not uh, in full pace in the league. So So for him to come in, you could say, well, it's a difficult time because it's not going the way it should be on the other side. Uh, if he comes in and he does well, he can actually lift him up and take him to another level again and and build the momentum together. So we have to wait and see. But of course, why has he been bought by, by Liverpool is is obvious. I think Jurgen Klopp said it also this week. He said it's, it's a player who's, who's seen it, who's done it, uh, who's got pace, uh, transition. He's got height. Uh, I believe it was last year when I said to him, Cody, I said, are you still growing? He says, it seems like <laughs> every week I see you, you're getting bigger, uh, taller. So, yeah, he's got length. Uh, he's got pace. Uh, he can pick a ball from the middle and start a dribble. The, the only question mark for me, in a sense, is, um, of course, he's used to playing three games a week uh, with, with PSV when you play in Europe and the Dutch League, combined with the cup games. But uh, I think the intensity of the Premier League and the intensity of the way Liverpool plays—I think that will need some adaptation. Uh, how long? I don't know. Maybe he will crack on straight away, have three fantastic months, and then maybe have a little bit of a dip, which is usual if you if if you cross the river and you have to uh, settle yourself in a new city, a new country, a new league. The good thing is the language will not be a problem. Although I'm not sure if he speaks a little bit of scouse, but
0: uh, <laughs> he will soon.
1: <laughs> yeah no and, and as you mentioned i think that the, the big help will be that the big boss is still there um as a, a, a dutch assistant uh we have a big Verge uh who will uh who's already spoken to him obviously before he signed there's there's too many players around that will uh, help him and sort him out. Uh, of course also hendo is a is a great uh captain to be uh to be around these uh type of players and uh Sort him out to, uh, to feel comfortable. Someone also asked me and said, are you not disappointed that he left PSV? And I said, well, to be honest, uh, of course, it's a bit disappointing that he left our family, yeah. but he joined another family. So I'm pleased.
0: That's good. I like that. Good answer. <laughs> Let's talk about your career. Over 100 appearances for PSV before you then moved on to Barcelona. I think it's a thing of everybody's dreams to step out at the new Camp. How mm-hmm. was that first moment of you stepping on that pitch?
1: well it's um it's a funny one because with psv we played in the in the, in the champions league okay. uh, so we already played barca in the group stages uh, at one point actually two seasons in a row we played uh, barcelona so oh, I, I was already uh, i had already been in the camp now yeah. um so I, what i can recall from the first game so not as a barca player but as a psv player uh, i came there and i always thought it's a massive big stadium But when you arrive there um i really thought is this it? Because I really thought it was bigger than that. But um, as soon as you arrive to the stadium, you actually have to go two or three levels down to the dressing rooms, and then you actually enter the pitch. So the pitch is is maybe three uh, um, levels down from the outside. So yeah, of course it's massive when you're in the stadium and you enter the pitch. It's like uh, I mean, it's a stadium that can hold a hundred thousand people. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it's massive, and uh, it's it it'll, it really feels you it gives you a feeling of, of of an arena with gladiators and stuff, you know what I mean. So it's um, it's 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 been wonderful. It's been a pleasure. It's of course something that you dream of as a player to make these kind of moves, and that's what I said as as a kid as well. Uh, you never dreamt of, of of being in these places, but you always wanted to be the best and perform and be better than than yesterday. And then in the end, something uh, the opportunities like these come along.
0: What was it like to, when you, when you did make that move to Barcelona, what was it like to share a dressing room with the likes of Pep, Puyol, Clive Rivaldo, Xavi, just to name a few?
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh, of course, it's the bigger names in football. Um, uh, that's also, uh, like your question, is the same as uh, don't you pinch yourself uh, when you look mm-hmm. around the stadium and you see these players like Rivaldo, Figo, uh, Luis Enrique, Guardiola, of course, in a way, it's special, but I just came off a World Cup uh, with Holland yeah. uh, where we uh, where we got to the semifinals, where we played Brazil. So in a way, you're one of them. Uh, so when you enter the dressing room, it's 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 the same. Of course, it's special, but it's day-to-day business and you need to do your work, you need to perform. And then obviously, uh, as I said, you're one of them. And because you have some kind of qualities, that's why you're there as well. Um, it was totally different when I was 17 and first moved into the senior dressing room at PSV and there was players like Hans van Brooklyn, the old uh, goalkeeper I, I really um, you know shook his hand and I said mr van Brooklyn and he looked at me strangely saying well uh, you know don't call me mr <laughs> just call me hans. <laughs> call me hans uh hans so that was totally different uh, but uh, yeah of course it's 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 been a fantastic journey to be in these um, these circumstances with these players uh, not just at Barca but also afterwards with all the other clubs I've been
0: it's nice to hear that, though, because I know players can go into dressing rooms, let's say like Barcelona and Liverpool, Chelsea, places like that, and they can be swallowed up a little bit. You see players that do move, make these moves and, you know, they don't quite come out the shells because it's all a bit overwhelming. But to hear you go in and feel like you're a part of that already, that's that's brilliant.
1: Well, I think it is it is what it is, isn't it? And of course, in the in, in the beginning, it's always strange when you put on a different jersey. It always looks weird because you're not used to it. But yeah. Uh... Yeah, of course. After after two days, you're used to it, and then uh, that's day to day business.
0: Moving on to your time at Liverpool, um, I think we just won the Champions League as you signed just afterwards.
1: Well, I knew of the interest when Liverpool played uh, in Istanbul, and uh, I, I remember watching it from my holiday uh, address and, and and looking at the first half and thinking, "Oh my God, what's going on? This is this isn't right." Uh, a lot of people actually left left uh, the the TV because they thought it was a done deal. But yeah. obviously, I stick to it and um, I watched it all the way through, and it was just an amazing an amazing game to watch. Just like all the other Liverpool fans, I guess. And um, for me, it was special because I knew about the interest, but there was still a little game to play. And then uh, after the after the um, the game, obviously, uh, uh, which was an, had a heroic win uh, with the penalties uh, shootout and stuff that. Um, There had to be celebrations first. So it took a little bit before I actually uh, signed. And then uh, I signed for Liverpool uh, in the knowledge as well that obviously uh, Liverpool was going to play the uh, European Super Cup. It was against CSKA Moscow. So you know when you win the Champions League that a lot of stuff that is collateral damage, but that comes with it, with winning it. Because also the other thing was to go to Japan and play the, the World Cup for teams. Uh, so there were so many things coming and happening that, uh, of course, I was more than delighted to join uh, Liverpool at that stage. And uh, uh, not just because of the win, but in general, I had a few very good years at uh, uh, previously w- what caught the interest. And then um, my first contact to, to join Liverpool came through, Luis Louis Garcia, who I knew from my time at Barca. Uh, who asked if I, I was interested in move and then obviously afterwards the, the contact was with uh, with Rafa.
0: And how was it when you got that call, or when you spoke to Rafa? Did you get that feeling like I want to be there? Well,
1: uh, yeah, you don't need anybody to convince you. Is it? Uh, it's like now uh, Cody had probably a chat with uh, with uh, Big Verge. I don't think anybody needed to, to convince him. It's more that uh, sometimes you need to you need to know some ins and outs to make a decision uh, and make the right decision, and also importantly to know what to do and what not to do.
0: So you spent most of your career, let's say wide left and I noticed you transitioned into a, a left-sided centre midfielder at one point at Liverpool. Was that something you was comfortable with?
1: Yeah, the funny part is I've always been uh, a player that could play in different positions but yeah, mostly I played on the left-hand side even in my time at Barsai I I, I, I uh, played as a left-back attacking uh, a type of left-back uh, like you have uh, Robertson at the minute yeah. um, so back then it wasn't so much uh, because you always had a player tuck on the line in front of you uh, now the wide players they play a bit more on the inside so there's more space for the fullbacks to bomb on and um, then uh, in my time at Middlesbrough I think I played uh, more as a center central midfielder central left midfielder with uh, runs in in, in in behind yeah and then of course also at Liverpool I played in different positions also in the middle uh, I believe even uh, uh, I played a few games somewhere at uh, on the 10 position behind the strikers so it it's always been a joy to actually be playing in different positions actually it, sometimes it's good because whenever there's a gap you can fill it uh, on the other on, on the other side sometimes uh, you're more if you, if you're stuck to one just the one position then there's never a doubt uh, whose position it is because it's yours uh, and sometimes if you play in different ones I mean obviously you get shifted around a bit more
0: your time at Liverpool if I remember right, you suffered two pretty big injuries. What would I say held you up a little bit?
1: Oh, well, a little bit. Uh, yeah. You can say so. I started off my first season, uh, played quite a lot. We won, obviously, the uh, European Super Cup. Uh, but actually, uh, that's that's how uh, that's what I remember is um, we played a, uh, a Champions League game at home against Better Seville. Uh, five minutes before time, and tried to uh, push a ball uh, outside the pitch, and uh, the defender who tried to jump over my leg got stuck a bit on my knee uh, and I felt a bit weird but I still managed to finish the game which was maybe five minutes plus five extra time and I remember going back into the dressing room to the to the doctor and said listen I'm not sure about my knee it felt a bit weird uh, and he said okay let's check it so we had a little check and he said we'll do a, a scans on uh, tomorrow and my knee wasn't really thick or anything so there wasn't a lot of fluid and then the next day when we did the scans I said it's a possible ACL rupture I'm thinking no way, it's not going to happen, you know, because it didn't It didn't feel so bad. Yeah. So what I did is I, I trained for another two weeks by myself to see if I could solve it. Um, but every time uh, I stepped on something or I slipped in the grass, my, my knee would lose its stability. So I would just go through the knee and we decided to do a second opinion in Holland. And uh, I did the second opinion and it's exactly the same as in the ACL. It's gone. Uh, you have to get it fixed. And then Liverpool gave me the opportunity to choose wherever I wanted to do the operation. And back then, uh, it was a big thing to go to Ville, Colorado, where you had Stedman, one of the biggest surgeons who did all these ACLs. So literally, the day Liverpool flew to Japan for the World uh, World Cup for club teams, uh, I flew to the US. So literally, in the same day, they flew that way and I flew the other way to get my knee surgery. Uh, so that was a very big blow because i really was um uh, focused and uh, so much looking forward to play uh, in in japan uh, the world cup so uh, i had to get my knee surgery done and normally it's 9 months yeah. and i remember together with the physios because i had the surgery in the us but i did my uh, recovery at liverpool we worked really hard 6 days a week it was it was hard it was hard at times because um when you're at melwood you know you have a big glass window and I was there on my, on, my, on my bike doing my exercises and I saw the guys playing uh, uh, football all day. Uh, so it was tough. Yeah, it was hard. But but we also said that if we can do it quicker, then we'll do it quicker. So in the end of the same season, I was actually training with a team and we were still playing the FA Cup final against West Ham. But the actual game against West Ham came maybe two weeks too early for me. So I was in full training, but I, I hadn't played a game. So that was uh, another memorable game when Stevie G uh, had a few shots from uh, from yeah. right range. What a day! And and then Arena, our penalty killer, uh, who did the job. It, just another amazing day, another amazing page to the Liverpool history. And then I had a preseason like everybody else. So that was my second season. And then I think it was literally a year after. So in October, somewhere, also in a game, I, I twisted my knee a bit and I didn't know what, what happened. And it eventually it turned out to be a, um, exterior meniscus uh, uh, rupture. So because it, it was on the same knee, because I was already out before, normally you would say a meniscus, exterior meniscus operation would, would, would take maybe eight weeks, but it took me, I think, Ten or twelve. It took me longer to to recover. So there you go. There's another two, three months that I lost in my second year, uh, and then and then the the, the massive one. Well, massive. Uh, some that uh, that that most of people don't really know is that um, I played a lot, especially in Europe. Uh, I played all the games uh, in the Champions League, and that's when we got to another Champions League final again against AC Milan, literally two years after. And we had a pre-season. Well, not a pre-season, but like a, a pre-week going up to that um, a game. I think we were in the, the finals in Greece, but we played, uh, I think we went to somewhere in Spain for, for five, six days uh, just to get used to the weather and stuff before we flew to, to, to Greece. And literally in training, I got tangled uh, by Stevie G and I twisted my ankle. And I literally had, my ankle was this big and I really... I think I even shredded here on the side of the, the training pitch then when I thought listen it, it's not going to happen and I'm going to lose another final because I already lost you know the, the World Cup for, yeah. for club teams and then with the physios once again I think we worked 24-7 and uh, we managed to, uh, to get myself back up to actually uh, start the game so my ankle was wrapped up massively I had an, an injection as well uh, and I knew I wasn't going to last a full game so I gave what I had and in 60 minutes and and we hope that uh with uh, uh fresh legs that we could uh, do the job but uh the Italians were warned two years ago uh when uh, obviously there were three nil down and still lost it uh three nil up and still lost it Milan came uh came up front with a lucky goal uh, and then they had a, they had a to be honest they had a good second goal we still fought back as we always do at Liverpool yeah uh two one but it wasn't enough so it's 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 always a massive uh, uh, moment or achievement to actually be playing a Champions League final because, I mean, there's not many teams that go all that way. Yeah. Uh, but losing a final, it's is something that you wouldn't wish anybody because I always say a final, you play to win it. And if you don't win it, then sometimes you have the feeling you might as well not, not have played the final.
0: Some people would say that 2007 side, including myself, was a much better side and a much better performance over the 90 minutes. Did you sort of feel after that game that what could we have done any more?
1: Uh, well, you always think so. For me myself, I think it was... Uh, I was disappointed in a way that uh, due to my, my physical problems, I wasn't at my best. Uh, that's why sometimes I think, well, what if it didn't happen before? You know, that you were really at at, at your peak. The other thing is that um, what what I, what I found a bit a pity is that we played in the Olympic Stadium with the you know the athletic track around it and the fans yeah. were so far away from us it's like if you play this type of games you want it to be packed close mm-hmm. right on the lips of the pitch you know it's like so so that 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 interaction with the fans that was slightly different. Uh yeah, you always got flashbacks. What if, you know, the chances that you had or the, the, the what ifs and like I said, the first goal for for Milan was a lucky one, which was, you know, deflected free kick on the back of someone and then it turned out to to, to go the other way, then uh, then Peperina went. So yeah, of course there's always moments in the game where you think could have gone differently, but it wasn't to be so yeah
0: you've won plenty of major honors throughout your career. You had a Divisi, La Liga. League Cup, UEFA Super Cup, and Dutch Young Player of the Year. But if you take back all of your memories as a footballer, what would you say meant the most to you as an honour?
1: Well, I found it difficult to say because uh, if you win something individually, it's nice, but you always win it because of your teammates. Sometimes you win something and maybe, yes, you had a part of it, and sometimes you had a big part of it, sometimes a small part of it. What sticks with me is that, I guess, everywhere I've been, I've, as, as as you mentioned, I've either won something or achieved something or did something nice. Uh, uh, at least I had uh, good memories, uh, met good people, and I think everywhere I've been, I can always go back, and and, and they will receive me with open arms. And uh, it's been it's been a real pleasure and honor to actually be able to make something, you know, to make your hobby your work, if you want to call it work, even, and get to see the world and be in different places, learn different. Uh, languages and cultures and it's, as as a human being that's all that you put in your your rucksack in your bag and take it with you as 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 personal luggage the, those memories will always stay.
0: You spent a lot of years in England I'd say you've um, got the English twang.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you yeah it's always <laughs> funny also when you know when you live in certain places uh, you adapt your, your accent in a way so of course when I lived in Liverpool I started to talk a bit more I wouldn't call it Scouse but <laughs> You know what i mean and then when i lived up in northeast it was a bit more that way you know like with hendu and you joking yeah <laughs> uh, uh, that kind of stuff and then obviously down in the south when you're uh, uh amongst the uh, uh the londoners that's also a, a different kind of language so you always adapt and I even out in france i played in the south of france with marseille mm-hmm. uh and obviously in paris they speak different french than in the south uh and uh so, so for example, just a, a little one. Then, if if you are in Paris, uh, a roundabout would be a rond point, and then in the south, uh, rond point. You know, it's like a, it's, just little, you know? no, it's <laughs> the same, but it's different. It's like yeah, of course. Uh, you know all about it uh,
0: in Liverpool. Yeah, people struggle with our accent. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 to be honest, I had I had it a little bit um, with uh, Cara when Cara spoke uh, many times. You know, Say that again. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh but he's working uh for years now for the for the english tv so uh i'm I'm sure that everybody understands him quite well otherwise he wouldn't be uh, on television every single night so uh, good to him good to him
0: lastly before we move on to the um the quick fire round i'd just like to thank you for being on here for various reasons you've had a hectic schedule i can imagine Uh, i like
1: like the view if i knew i had this view maybe you would have had me on earlier
0: (laughs) just just to summarize the podcast then um, what advice do you have for any young up-and-coming footballer what would you say to them to stick at or focus on or what's your advice i think
1: it's rather easy I don't know when you're going to put the podcast out, but it's January. A couple of
0: weeks, yeah.
1: So it's January and everybody's full of, you know, I'm going to do this and that in January. <laughs> and it's uh, it's not because it's January. It's because it's what you do. It's because of what you like or it's it's because that's what you want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's, I guess it's the same with football. Why do you play football? It's because that's what you want to do. It's not because it's January or whatever. No, it's because that's what you want to do. Um, if you like football uh, then you will enjoy every single uh, element of it you will do this uh, day in day out so if you are um, that's why i don't want to call it motivation it's like more something come that comes from inside that will keep you going that will keep you moving that will uh, keep you hungry that will keep you motivated to be better and better and then in the end things will happen of course down the line you'll need a little bit of luck you don't need to get big injuries and all this kind of stuff. And people sometimes need to be in the right place to be seen or whatever. But if you don't have this fire from inside, then of course it's never going to work because anything you want to do in life, you need, you need that burning desire to yeah. actually be the best or uh, do whatever you like and then uh, things will happen. So that's the only advice I have is uh, uh, enjoy yourself because when you enjoy yourself, I think it doesn't cost you any any energy to do as much as you need to do to actually become better in whatever you want to do in life.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like Strong,
1: it. Words. Happy Strong words, heavy words. <laughs> we are now going to do a quick fire round with our guests. This could be very controversial.
0: Moving on to the quick fire round, I'll, I'll ask you some questions. Yeah. Quick responses, try not to think too much into it. Just a bit of fun. No, um, no
1: thinking. That's me. No, I'm
0: joking. <laughs> so let's go beer or wine. Oh, I'm teetotal. What are you asking? <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. There we go. Well, there's that gone Pepsi or Coke. Coke. New Camp or Anfield.
1: Ooh, can I combine something? Yeah, can I? Yeah. Uh, camp now with uh Liverpool fans. I need to be back at the new Anfield because uh, I've heard it's uh, it's much bigger and better than what it was. So yeah, uh, I might change my mind.
0: Nike or Adidas? Nike. Dutch pancakes or English pancakes? Ooh, Dutch pancakes. Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard? Oh my God, <laughs> what a choice!
1: How can you even pick? No, nearly impossible. Nearly impossible. Can we gel them somewhere? Go on. Yes. Let's do that. Frank Gerrard. <laughs>
0: Virgil van Dijk or Frank de Boer
1: Ooh. well I played with Frank so I'll go for
0: Frank perfect okay that's done not too much pressure I hope
1: no 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 uh, you told me not to think but it's nearly impossible <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes it's uh, choosing between uh, one or two of your childs. you know it's impossible
0: thanks very much for your time uh, I really appreciate you coming on and I really wish you nothing but the best for you and your family going forward Um, and I'd love to see you back at Anfield one day so big yeah. thumbs up for that yeah
1: well thank you for having me and uh, uh, first of all uh, for yourself I wish you all the best uh, stay stay safe and healthy uh, thank you. Stay, stay in a good state of mind and uh, yeah for the last bit I definitely want to visit Anfield again uh, bring my boys they haven't been yet they're 8 and 11 and the other one is 11 uh, on Friday so uh, I definitely want to bring them over to, to Anfield and uh, give them a feel of um, what it's like to be uh, there with all these people singing uh, You Never Walk Alone
0: Right, have a good birthday, little one, um, and thank hopefully you. catch you soon. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks to everyone for listening in to today's podcast, and thank you to our amazing guests. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Don't forget to follow us on social media twitter.com forward slash the roadend pod, and on Instagram, Instagram slash the roadend pod.